We're here in the Kintec studio. It is Canuck Central, Dan Richo, and Satyar Shah. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Um, Texter responded to the false controversy and said, Dan, you're a top 10 Canuck Central personality. Do we have 10? Probably not. Is there more than 10? No. Uh, let's see here. We have two people on the morning show, hosts. We have Jamie and Drance. That's four. We have Randeep and Bick. That's a six. And yep. you and I is eight. Plus, we have other hosts. Batch. Batch is uh, play by play. Play by play. Um, we have obviously Lena. Mm-hmm. We have Josh. Josh. We've had Lindsay and Caroline throughout the year also doing stuff. Um, Dom, does he count as a laddie on the morning show? We're just going through our whole ride. They yeah. did just say you Canuck just, Central, though. Yeah, we've named we've named the whole sports net six. We had to go uh, to the part. We had to go to like cast. anybody who's ever <laughs> appeared, <laughs> appeared on Canuck Central, <laughs> on Canuck Central, or has been on air is a oh. top ten personality. I definitely fall below Alex Ald. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm not picking favorites or like you know. I'm not ranking anybody anywhere. I love you, Reach. Okay. You gotta be diplomatic about those things. I mean, I mean, Aldi might be listening too. I don't want to be saying something to offend Aldi. I love Aldi. The love is mutual. <laughs> I give love to everybody. Although yesterday, uh, you know what? I'm not gonna get into it. You know, it's just it was a Juventus thing, and I don't, I don't want to like bring my heart rate up, especially while we're doing Canuck Central. Maybe after six o'clock, I'll vent, but until then, I'm not doing it. All right. Uh, 650, 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. What are the major storylines as training camp nears? I think number one is pretty obvious, is it not? Um, There's a little contract negotiation that still is happening with the Vancouver Canucks and their captain. Until that's settled, that's going to be a storyline all season long, and it's going to continue being a storyline throughout camp. Whether you like it or not. Yes. You know, like we talked about the Horvath thing a bit. Frank Cervalli was on with us with Monday and got, got people stirred up a little bit with his reporting on, on the situation. We've talked about it a bit. But it's kind of like the JT thing. Even if we don't want to talk about it, the demand is there. P- people are asking in a text inbox, what's going on with Bo now? It used to be JT. Yep. What's going on with JT? And to kind of show people like, well, you guys are the ones forcing this conversation. People don't care anymore. And we'd be like, well... We have a topic today about JT Miller, and for argument's sake, that download would get 10,000 downloads, mm-hmm. whereas everything else maybe get two or 3,000 downloads. What does that show you? It shows you that there's a massive demand for anything to do with JT Miller, and you give people what they want or as much as you want about it. And Bo, we haven't seen that yet because I don't think the you know, conversation hasn't gone as nuclear and as hot as it was well, with there's JT. Just, like, there's just, it, it feels like in the market, most people just feel like it's going to get done. Yes. But the other thing is it hasn't gotten, despite some reporting about some hard feelings potentially or not friction. or whatever, friction or whatever, I don't think it's hot yet in that regard. And as far as the market goes, but we're already seeing people keep asking about Bo, asking mm-hmm. about Bo. And to your point, until that gets resolved, whether you like it or not, whether you want to hear about it or not, it's going to be the main question fans will ask and it'll be the main question unresolved yeah. that media will be looking to answers for there's like a i feel there's a segment of the canucks fan base that's just like this is a lifetime relationship bo horvat is a vancouver canuck 
for life. And that's just the way it's going to be. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, it, it's going to be a conversation throughout camp. If it doesn't get resolved by the end of preseason, it will be a storyline throughout the course of the season. Uh, we know how fans are. Mm-hmm. It, it's the, the closer it gets to the trade deadline, the more pressure there will be on the situation, especially if the Canucks are in a playoff race as we expect them to be. Right? That's ultimately where this really starts to get hot. But it will continue to be a storyline nonetheless. Beyond that, beyond the Horvat contract, on the ice, like what are some things that we are really looking for here in camp? What are the things that we will start to look through when preseason games begin? What are the storylines we care about. So so the one that's been talked about the most is the Bo Horvat one. Yeah. The one that's been talked about the second most, and it's a no, it's not Vasily Putkolzin, it's Quinn Hughes on the right side. That's yeah. really dominated the past couple of weeks. Quinn Hughes right side, Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes. And I think you and I are kind of on the same page about this. Long term, it makes sense perhaps. And if it can if it can work out, it gives the Canucks an option on the right side, makes it easier to fill out your team and all that sort of stuff. But even if he plays a right side this year, it creates some sort of problems for the rest of your team, right? You don't have the perfect mix to begin with. So how much of that storyline is a storyline that gets talked about and how much of that is something that we're actually going to see come to fruition after they test it out? It's, um, (laughs) I think it's going to come down to Quinn Hughes and his comfort level playing the position. Look, at the end of the day, we know how good Quinn can be playing with Luke Shen. I imagine... You know, that would be the fallback if it doesn't work with OEL. Oliver, like, OEL talked about it today. <laughs> um, everybody in the league would want to play with Quinn Hughes. Yes. Of course, I would be happy to do this. He's going to score some points, more points, yeah. if this does work out. You know what I was thinking about today, Sat? Who benefits the most from playing with Quinn Hughes? It's Larson. <laughs> right. Like, if OEL gets to play with Quinn Hughes, that should benefit him quite a bit. It should inflate his offensive numbers. How much does the team benefit from that? Not just in a, hey, look, this guy's producing more, and it's helping us on ice, it's helping us get results, but I, I don't think, like, we've talked about it since, like, last winter, that yeah. this is the OEL contract is probably one the new management would eventually like to get out of somehow, some way. It's If he plays better, it helps his value. But the other question is, would he even waive his no-trade clause and go anywhere, And which is which is the other part about it anyways? Ultimately, that that's the, the biggest stumbling block in any sort of OEL rumor. And I don't know if you just want to, you know, you're just trying to elevate him and trade him. I don't think that's the ultimate goal, but it could be a nice benefit in yes. terms of he plays a lot better. I Again, like I, I'm just not sure if Quinn playing the right side makes them a better team this year. Right. The only way it does is if Jack Rathbone is ready, and not just ready to play, but play a significant role. And then you're like, all right, Jack Rathbone's playing 20 minutes a game, 19 minutes a game, mm-hmm. and he can play with you know Shen or whoever that is. And then we can kind of we can massage the minutes between the th- second and the third pair. But we feel like we have a bond. We have another top four guy in Rathbone. Like who's your other top four guy that you can lean on on that next pairing? You don't have one right now. You don't. Like you have Myers who you hope he maintains his gains uh, yeah. that he made last year. 
but you don't have another top four guy. You're you're basically crossing your fingers and saying we hope Travis Dermott or Jack Rathbone yeah. figures it out. Or you know you 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 put Danny DeKaiser in that situation and say Oof. like, but that's asking him to play. He oh, played yeah. he played 20 minutes last year and he struggled. He was good on the PK. Yeah, he played with Moritz Sider yes, as well, and he still struggled <laughs> at evens. Now he's had injuries and all that sort of stuff. But if he makes a team, he's going to be a depth option. If he yeah. makes a team and plays in your top four on a PTO. Well, as much as you can spin that as a positive story for Danny DeKaiser and a good story, that's a massive indictment on your team that a guy on a PTO is beating out, you know, half your defense to play in your top four. So, okay, what's best case scenario like Quinn works on the right side? Like, what does it mean for the team? Does it give you, like, uh, a Boston Bruins vibe where you, you could potentially have, like, one dominant line and that just, like, settles the rest of your lineup to be yeah. able to have success. I guess maybe the Dallas Stars are the ultimate one-line team, but the Canucks have a lot more depth than the Dallas Stars do. Even last year's version of the Dallas Stars, I would say the Canucks have more depth than that. Yeah, but even the Stars on the back end, I mean, they had Klingberg and Heiskanen on two yeah. different pairs, and that allowed yeah. their you know top four to at least have anchors that carried things you know, for yeah. them. And Plus so, Heiskanen, uh, Lindell, Lindell and Suter. And, you know, yeah. So overall, at least my, my question is, who's going to be your anchor for your second pair? Yeah. And I don't know if Myers can be that alongside Rathbun or Dermott. So that's why ultimately... And you can't really realistically play or go into the season and be like, we're going to play Quinn Hughes and OEL 25 minutes a night, and that's going to be the way we win hockey games. I'm all for testing it. I think, again, there's benefits long-term, and maybe it works out. It's good to have the option and all those sort of things. I'm fading the notion, though, Dan, that we see Quinn Hughes essentially play most of the season on the right side, or even starting the season playing the right side. So... Okay, Hughes' right side is a major storyline. I'm curious about the Russians. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them this year. Yeah, three of them. <laughs> and all have really interesting spots in the lineup. Yeah. Pod Colson, you know, I didn't mean to pour cold water on the Pod Colson hype to say that he's going to be a bust of a player. It's just no. You said he's gonna go back to the oh, KHL. Oh, I did not. Can we like <laughs> not do that? Where we're like Sat is now the I'm... one spreading fake news fake and false news. controversy, falsehoods. Yeah, Dan, Dan said he should go back to the oh, KHL. No, I didn't. I didn't. NHL I, even. I I said nothing of the sort. <laughs> Mark I... Messier was right. <laughs> Dan's getting it today. Actually, what I said is Pod Colson's not an NHL player. Um, <laughs> I did not say that. Um, Clip it. It's mostly... <laughs> it, the, the thing about it is, like, how realistic are you about what he can produce? Yeah. Like, bottom line, what's his floor? And can we realistically expect him to play a high-end two-way game from the wing, which we don't see many wingers play at all? And... Certainly not guys that are 20 years old. So be realistic about it. But the Russians, Kuzmenko is such an incredible wild card. And the Canucks made a pretty expensive bet that Ilya Mikheyev is not only going to continue being a 20-goal scorer in this league, but as maybe a little bit more than what he showed last year in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, all three players are coming into this season uh, flashing some top six upside. Yeah. 
And that gives the team a chance to have three lines when we talk about that. And, th- and the main reason why the Canucks are able to aggressively plan for having three centers down the middle for Pedersen, uh, Miller, and Horvat is because they feel like they have all that firepower on the wings. The question to your point is, which one is really going to click? Are all three going to click? Who's going to struggle a little bit? And not every player is going to ascend at the same rate. Not every player who's new is going to come in and, and hit it out of the park. I have the least confidence in Kuzmenko. We just don't know because that's the guy we have the least amount of information on. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And there's always an adjustment period that you have to bake in. So I think you have to, you know, be measured in your expectations for him. But all three players. Even, you know, when players were asked about it today, when the coach was asked about it today, it's like, yeah, we see a ton of skill there, but. You know, let's see what it looks like. <laughs> let's see what it looks like. Yeah, you and, know, the pace of the game is is way different here, so we still have to see what it looks like. Absolutely, and, and even Miller mentioned that about yeah, we'll see him in, in preseason what what that's going to be like for him and all that stuff. But all three of those players are expected to to provide or have the potential to provide significant contributions to this team, and that is the big difference for this squad being able to add two more forwards, which yeah. gives you a chance now to have a third line with potentially three top six caliber players. And what it does is allow your team to also play a stronger straight ahead style a little bit. Because put Colson as his game matures, he's gonna be more direct and you saw that as the season went on. You saw it with Mikheyev's game. Kuzmenko's one we don't know as much about. It's probably not gonna be the same in that regard. But what he does give this team is an infusion of skill on the wing, yeah. some playmaking on the wing, another guy that can be a good option on your power play on the wing. And as much as those sort of things don't seem like priorities for this team, they needed more of that depth. They needed more you know when teams come at you in waves? Because they have players that can come at you in waves. And now, with the addition of those two specific Russian players, and if Kuzmenko can be good, I think those are the guys that are really going to make the difference as far as how this play- team plays up front. We've talked a lot about what uh, the the lines can be. Um, one last point I want to make on Kuzmenko. He was known as the Superman in Toronto because he likes soup. And I, I want to know, like, what his favorite ramen joint or pho <laughs> joint is going to be here in Vancouver. There's so many. Where are you going to eat? I want to know where you get your soup, Ilya. Um, but that's definitely a sidebar type of note for somebody like myself who just really likes a good ramen noodle soup in the middle of winter. Um, <laughs> in the middle horse, of rain season. Like, <laughs> ramen. Uh, rain season means I like a nice warm soup. Uh, all right. So when, when it comes down to the lines of the team, there's so many different iterations that it could look like. But one thing that takes this team to the next level or ultimately how they end up having more success is some of the players that have been here for a while take another step. And Miller had a really interesting comment today. Was kind of like, it almost felt like a throwaway, but it wasn't a throwaway for me. Where he said, "The young guys aren't young anymore." Mm-hmm. And when I look at, when I hear that, and I feel like Miller has kind of played the dad role, and yeah. he's really living it with the glasses now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like he's he's just he's taken on that role. Like I'm. I'm team dad now, you know? I got paid. I'm wearing my glasses around the rink. I don't care anymore. I'm the mature one. Yes. I did have a friend, actually, who used to wear glasses with no lenses because he felt people treated him like he was, like, like differently. 
He, he felt like he had more like, authority. People more thought than... I was smarter because I wore glasses. I'm like, no, that's just, <laughs> no, this just, is definitely placebo effect yeah, here. Yeah, it's just vain. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Miller has been that guy that's, especially for the last, like, 12 months, he's remained confident. Last year when things were really down in the dumps, he tried to be the one that picked yeah. everybody up by the bootstraps and was like, hey, we can, we can still figure this out. We still got some time. But it's true. The young guys aren't young anymore. Pedersen, Besser, like these guys yeah. are – Pedersen's not really a veteran now, but he kind of is. Like this yeah. is what, four or five years in the league now? So those two specifically, bounce back seasons, I want to see it in camp. Like Pedersen, last year I didn't really see much from Pedersen in camp. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to worry about it because it's camp. But like I, I do want to see something this year. Like I don't – I want to. Ha- I want Pedersen to give me confidence. He's going to have the year I think he can have. I, I think it, it's critical for this team to be more than people expect. Is him? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's massive for him. But also, you, we can lump Besser into this as well. Yeah. You know him and Pedersen because those two guys specifically are guys that came in with so much fanfare. They've shown so much more upside than what they've ultimately provided so far in their careers. Pedersen in his first season, tremendous, wins the Calder. Second season, outstanding sophomore season Mm -hmm. we all know what happened in the shortened season we all know last year in a tough start he got into this is his opportunity to really establish himself now and take that step and I think in many ways like we talked about Brock Besser he's the guy that I'm most confident in betting on a bounce back for and it's critical for both those players to kind of flash that upside again I'm confident I'm, I'm honestly I feel good about both those players this year both of them? I feel pretty good about both those guys this year. Now, I'm not saying Brock Besser is going to score 80 points or whatever, but like I mentioned before, like I'm betting on him getting 30 goals this year. I'm betting on him cresting 60 points this year. To me, that's positive. For Pedersen, he starts off and plays the way he did for the second half of last year. To begin this year, you're going to have zero concerns. Uh, as the season gets closer, we might have to do some uh, Canucks over-unders and uh, yeah. figure out what some of those lines look like and, and what we think those players can do. An interesting uh, storyline that's kind of, I think everybody understands it, but if it were to happen where Nils Hoaglander doesn't make the team out of camp, there would be quite the reaction, I think, from Canucks fans everywhere. Hoaglander is a really good player. He's a really talented player. And if you look at his draft class, he's played quite a bit in comparison to his peers from that class. So it almost seems weird to say that now, after two full seasons in the NHL, he might get demoted to the A. But there is a real question mark, Sat, that Mm -hmm. Nils Hoaglander may not make this team. Will Nils Nils Hoaglander make the team is a training camp storyline for me. Uh I still think he will make the team because just look at this competition against them. Like, is Justin Dowling, Sheldon Drys going to beat him out for a roster spot? Will Lockwood's going to beat out Niels Hoaglander? It might not be one of those guys. And Niels Amon? It's going to come down to the fourth line, Sat. Like, but, but I mean, I still Joshua look- Dickinson, who's yeah. not... Maybe he gets waived for cap purposes, but uh, I, I, I even don't see that. You've got Lazar, and you've got Hoaglander. Yeah, but I mean, injuries are going to happen. Yeah. 
Hoaglander goes down to the AHL, he's going to be by far the best player on that team, the best forward on that team. Yeah. The way he's going to play, he's going to be the first guy that's going to recall anyways. Mm-hmm. Even if he doesn't start, you know, game one in the starting lineup or he's not, you know, one of the top 12 forwards, I just don't see anybody beating him out out of the roster, you know? And I get the notion of, hey, put him in the AHL, let him work on his game. But again, like if you're trying to win games, you're trying to be competitive, you're really going to stash him in the AHL and then have guys like Sheldon Drys or Justin Dowling above him here? Yeah. Guys that not, can't even produce half of what he produces. Do you carry just plays? an extra uh, a player that can play center just in case? I mean, Joshua can play down. center. That's yeah. the whole point. You got Jason Dickinson who can play center. Um, you got guys that can play through the middle in a pinch. Yeah. You know, if you have to call somebody up, then you call somebody up if somebody gets injured. I, I buy that Hoaglander has to show. I buy that Hoaglander isn't guaranteed a a prominent role. I have a hard time seeing somebody else beating him out of a roster spot, though. Can Hoaglander... We'll talk about this with Batch as well. But can Hoaglander nail down a top nine spot? Hmm. Maybe that is the better conversation rather than will he make the team? We'll talk about that with Brendan Batchelor. His take on some of the playoff or some of the training camp storylines that he'll be watching. He's our play-by-play man here on Sportsnet 650. We'll talk to Batch next. It is Canuck Central. Canuck Central coming to you from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star, 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 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Was that five or six? Sometimes I lose count midway through, and I'm like, uh. I thought it may be four, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if you got six. I think you were on it. Yeah. If anything, you may have been one short. All right. Unlike Thatcher Demko, you're in the top five. <laughs> uh, but still coming up short, as usual. Uh, this hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Let's bring in our next guest, play-by-play man, Brendan Batchelor. What's happening, Batch? Uh, not too much. I always love a good uh, Booker T. Yes. So very glad to hear that off the top. How's it going, guys? It's uh, training camp eve here. Did you do the bike test today or no? Uh, I did not. I, I went and walked the Coquitlam Crunch afterwards, if that counts, but I, I did not partake in the fitness testing. Uh, that would have been embarrassing for me if I had. So uh, I, I kind of feel a little bit weird right now. What exactly is the Coquitlam Crunch? Oh, you haven't heard about the Coquitlam Crunch? Oh, really? No. It's wow. it's um, it's a hike. It's not quite like the grind, No. Uh, but it's a steep uphill hike. There are stairs built into the side of, of one of the mountains out in beautiful Coquitlam, and you can go all the way up the mountain, or you can just do the stair bit in circuits, and that's what I normally do. See, I'm just a city boy. I just do the grind, the grouse grind. It's closer, I think. Yeah. Is it? Maybe not. Uh, depends yeah, on probably, traffic. Probably. I mean, well. Depends it, on traffic. Depends on the Lions Gate, right? It's yeah. a shorter distance from here to yes. North Van than from here to Coquitlam, but it all comes down to bridge traffic. Yes. Which can be a disaster. So, Batch, uh, we were talking about big training camp storylines. Like, what are the storylines to care about? Obviously, Bo Horvat's contract is uh, ultimately going to be 
the biggest one, but uh, there's not really a lot to uh, go farther on that. I, I guess, like, is there any way to determine that it's a distraction for Bo Horvat uh, that the contract situation is yet to be settled? Not really. Uh, I mean, the only way we could determine that, I guess, is if you get into the season and he's struggling or, you know, his production's down or it doesn't seem like the same player he's been in years past, then I'm sure if that happens, we'll speculate and say, oh, maybe it's because he's worried about the contract. But um, in terms of actual training camp, I, I don't feel like it's a, a major storyline. It's certainly not you know, it, it, it sort of looms over everything that's happening, but it's not the same level of, you know, Pedersen and Hughes not being in camp this time last year and, and the immediate implications that that had for the hockey club. You know, if, if Horvat's contract drags out throughout this season, it doesn't have immediate implications mm-hmm. for the team. It has long-term potential implications and whether they explore you know, what they can do with him at the deadline. If he's not signed by then, those are all things that we'll talk about down the road. But, you know, for the first time in a number of years, this feels like a training camp where the focus is, you know, maybe not a hundred percent on hockey, but 95%, I guess we could say. And, and that's refreshing with the number of uh, restricted free agents they've had that haven't been in camp over the last few years. Or, you know, I feel like Travis green going into the final of year of his deal without a contract was a much bigger storyline than maybe it is with Bruce Boudreaux at this point. Although uh, if the team gets Mm -hmm. out to a slow start, that certainly could change too, but uh, I'm excited more for what we're going to see on the ice in Whistler tomorrow, as opposed to some of the off ice stuff that let's be honest, this off season has felt really long. Yeah. We've discussed a lot of this stuff to death and it's time to actually talk about hockey. You know, I'm, I'm there with you. And so one of the, one of the things that reach and I've been really focusing on today has been some of the comments from Bruce Boudreaux about Miller and Besser being on the same line, starting out Garland on the, on the left wing, most likely and talking about keeping his lines intact for games and throughout the preseason. So, you know, let's stick with Bo for a minute. I think the big question that I'm wondering, obviously, b- beside the contract, is who's playing with Bo Horvat? Like, who's playing with Bo Horvat this upcoming season? Because they have a lot of options, and I'm not sure where they're going to go quite yet. Yeah, you know, trying to figure out the lines right now, it's like a puzzle yeah. where, you know, he said Garland's going to start on the left. He said Kuzmenko's going to start on the left. You expect Pearson would start on the left. We know the three guys are going to go down the middle in Horvat and Miller and Patterson and, you know, you know, Besser may end up, uh, you know, as you alluded to with Miller. So, you know, it's kind of trying to fill in those blanks and, and, and understand what Boudreaux might be thinking. And, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, right. You know, could they put Pearson back with Horvat? Uh, could they put Pearson with Miller and Besser? They had a lot of success in the past together, Um, you know, Garland, if he's going to play the left side, what sort of a role do they see him fitting in with? Like, is he going to play the left side with Patterson? Where's McKayev going to slot in? You know, these are all questions that we will get the answers to tomorrow morning. And I think that's the most exciting part about the first day of training camp in a Bruce Boudreaux training camp is, you know, Travis Green on the first day of his training camps, we would see lines and we would be interested in them and we would discuss them. But we also knew that two days later they might be completely different because that was sort of the way that Travis Green operated with Bruce Boudreaux. He made it clear in speaking to the media earlier today that the lines he starts with 
are lines he thinks he could start the season with. Now, whether that changes through the preseason, injuries can be a factor, whether they decide that, you know, maybe they give Kuzmenko an opportunity and, you know, through the preseason, they decide that maybe that's not the best fit for him. Like things can and likely will change. But, you know, for for the first time since I've been doing this job now, this is my sixth training camp I'm going into covering the Canucks in this role here on 650. Uh, you know, it feels to me like we can read much more into the lines we see tomorrow morning as opposed to any other opening day of training camp that we've had to this point. So in that notion, like which of the new forwards is most intriguing to you? Is it Mikheyev? I know Boudreaux thinks that there could be more offense with Mikheyev. Does that mean we see him play with, with a Miller or potentially Pedersen to try and extract more offense out of Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if if that's what they think he can do, that you put him on one of those two lines. So if we assume that Mikheyev's going to play the right side based on, you know, penciling in who's going to be on the left, then you would say that, you know, does Besser go with Miller and Mikheyev go with Pedersen, or is it vice versa? And if you have, you know, Mikheyev, with Pedersen, where does Pod Colson fit into this conversation too? Is he going to play the left? Is he going to play the right? Uh, you know, how far does that bump Pearson down the lineup if they do put Pod Colson on the left wing? So it's it's kind of a, a domino effect where if you if you have one guy in one spot, it's going to affect uh, who else slots in elsewhere. But in terms of Mikheyev, I'm really excited to see where they they think he'll fit because he brings a speed element that this club has not had in recent years. Uh, and, you know, Miller talked about it today as a guy that, you know, can drive the defense back, whether he has the puck or not, can force other teams to have bad gaps by using his speed, which doesn't just create offensive opportunities for him. It creates offensive opportunities for his line mates. So in that, you know, line of thinking, I can understand why you'd want to put him on a skilled line because if he can create space and time and opportunity for the guys he's playing with, then why not have those guys be the guys that can put the puck in the back of the net? And if Mikheyev can continue to contribute and and have another good offensive season like we've seen him have in the past in Toronto, then it's found money for them as a, yet another guy that can help them score goals up their lineup. Yeah, and you, I'm actually pretty optimistic about how this forward group is going to look this this upcoming season. The only question, I think the biggest question about the forward group as a whole, outside of who's playing with who, is is Niels Hoaglander going to be on this team after training camp? And you know, for a guy who's played over 100 games in NHL, I think part of that question is a bit weird. Like, I get, you know, they want it to be better. I understand that there is some upside potentially to having to play in the AHL and work on his game and, and cover up some things that he may have not covered up the past couple of years. But I have a hard time, and I mentioned this in the last segment, uh, Batch, I have a hard time seeing him being beat out of a roster spell, a spot. And I'm not meaning any disrespect. I just don't know if Justin Dowling, Sheldon Dries, or even guys like Will Lockwood are going to step up in this training camp and beat out Niels Hoaglander for a roster spot. No, and I guess it'll sort of depend on how many forwards they're going to carry or defensemen they're going to carry in terms of where some of these decisions go. But I'd like to see them give Hoaglander an opportunity to to earn a spot to play in a significant part of the lineup because we know that that offense is there. We've seen it. And, you know, last season didn't go the way he or anyone else would have wanted. And, of course, injury issues uh, impacted that too. But, you know... 
to take a guy that can produce offense for you, that has shown he can produce offense at the NHL level, and either have him out of the lineup or in the American Hockey League to start the season, when you know the clear tone out of the media availability today was, we've got to make the playoffs, we've got to win now, this isn't about development anymore, this is about succeeding as a group this year with the pieces we've got, Niels Hoaglander makes you better, you would think, at least offensively. I'm, I know there are questions around his 200-foot game and uh, you know his ability to read the play defensively, and that's something that's kind of been a critique uh, of him ever since he's come into the NHL. But if he's a guy that can help you put pucks in the back of the net, you know, you need as many of those guys in your lineup as you can. And I know the forward group is deeper, and Boudreaux may have specific ideas for – roles he wants guys to play so you may not want a hoaglander playing on your fourth line if you've got you know curtis lazar is in now dakota joshua is a player that they clearly want to give an opportunity to what's going to happen with jason dickinson uh there are lots of questions down the lineup but um you know as much as we've sort of talked about some of these other lineup conversations and, and who's going to play with who i think we'll get a really good idea of where they see niels hoaglander fitting in based on who his line mates are tomorrow because Boudreaux kind of alluded to this today that, you know, we could see four lines that, you know, he could expect to be NHL lines on day one of training camp. But if Hoaglander's not on one of those four lines, then that's a message being sent to him that he has to earn his opportunity here. He has to come in and take a job from someone else. And that's the other good part of this too, is internal competition for spots in the top nine, you know, the Jim Benning over the last few years and, and really that, that whole era, they talked about wanting to have three scoring lines. This is the first time for me that the Canucks actually have the forward depth where you could see them, you know, having three lines that can score. And the question is, can Niels Hoaglander find a spot on one of those three lines or does he have to try and make it on the fourth line or potentially, you know, come from out of the lineup and, and try to get in that way? Or could it be the best for his development to start in the AHL? These are all things that, you know, this, this group will have been weighing the management group and the coaching staff. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you've got to come in and, and show your best at training camp. And if you do well, you're going to play in the NHL. And that, to me, has to be the mentality that Niels Hoaglander has to take. Well, if, there, if Hoaglander is to win a spot in the top nine, it probably comes at the expense of Andre Kuzmenko, right? Like, cause, like that's just the player we don't know enough about yet to really be confident that he can hold down that sort of spot in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, maybe Tanner Pearson could play a fourth line role if right. you know if you really wanted to get Hoaglander up the lineup and Kuzmenko does well. But you know, that's the other interesting part about this too is Kuzmenko in the North American game and at the NHL level is an unknown commodity. So you know, he could come in and he could be tremendous and he could be a huge part of what they do this year, or he could struggle to transition to the NHL game. He could be a guy that's in and out of the lineup or playing further down the lineup than people might hope or expect, depending on how things go for him early. The one thing that's clear is they're going to give him opportunity too, um, because I, I think Boudreaux spoke today about wanting to understand what kind of a player he is, what might he be able to do. So they're going to give him a chance probably on a, a pretty good line, at least to start. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe at some point in the last few weeks, Boudreaux has also been quoted as saying that they want to play him in every preseason game. So, you know, that to me 
says that that's a player that they need to learn as much as they possibly can about before the games start mattering for real in mid-October so they can get a gauge of, is he ready? Is he going to be capable at the NHL level? Can he help us offensively in this style of game? Or is it going to take him a little bit of time? Do we need to bring him along a little bit more slowly uh, rather than dropping him into the deep end of, of having a, a big role? But, you know, one thing that seems to be clear is that we're going to see a lot of Andre Kuzmenko over the next few weeks, uh, both through training camp and then in preseason games. And, you know, based on how he does, uh, I'm sure that's going to impact where he fits in the lineup greatly. And again, you know, it's it's uh, a trickle down effect where if Kuzmenko comes in is really good, then it makes it that much harder for Hoaglander to crack the top nine. Conversely, if Kuzmenko struggles, then maybe there's an opportunity to be taken for a player like Hoaglander or someone else that wants to come in and try and earn a roster spot at training camp. Yeah, and you know, like for as much talk about all these battles for roster spots, I don't think there's so much battles for roster spots as opposed to battles for roles on this team. And even on the back Mm -hmm. end, as much as Jack Rathbone is somebody you can look at kind of like Hoaglander and say, perhaps he starts the year in the AHL, but I think the way they're kind of setting this up, it's it's they're essentially clearing, I, mean, I wouldn't say they're clearing the decks, but I think that this is a real opportunity here for Jack Rathbone, not only to make this team, but actually play a day-to-day role on this team. Yeah, especially if they move Hughes to the right side, then, mm. you know, there is a clear opportunity on that left side for someone like Jack Rathbone to come in. And I thought, you know, the comments Bruce Boudreau made about that today were very clear where he said, look, I, I don't care if he shoots left. I don't care if he shoots right. I don't care where we have to play him. If he's one of our best six defensemen coming out of camp and coming out of preseason, he's going to play. He's going to be here. Uh, and, you know, for a guy like Rathbone, who has some limited NHL experience, got a good year under his belt last year in Abbotsford, you know, that that is the exact message I want to be hearing from the head coach of the team I'm trying to make is if I come in and show that I belong, I'm going to get that opportunity. And, you know, it, it's hard to argue with Boudreaux's thinking there where, you know, I can understand. And certainly there are a lot of coaches in the NHL that worry about playing guys on their offside and and how that will will factor into the way they're able to impact the game. The one thing we know about Quinn Hughes is you could play him at center ice. You could play him in net and he would find a way to impact the game. He's that much of a difference maker for this club. So I'm not so worried about moving him to the offside. And if that allows you an opportunity to get a player like Jack Rathbone into your lineup, if you feel like he is a player that can make a difference, whereas it might be harder for you to do that if you kept Hughes on the left side, then I'm all for finding a way to get your best six guys on the back end in the lineup because goodness knows defense has been the issue for this team. Transitioning the puck has been an issue for this team. And if Jack Rathbone is a guy that can help this club defend less and transition up the ice more, then he needs to be in the lineup. What? Like, we talked a little bit about Garland on the left side, but why do you think Boudreaux thinks Garland's best fit might be on the left side? Well, he played there a bit towards the end of the season last year, and Boudreaux sort of indicated that he liked him in that role, thought he did a, a pretty good job. Garland, to me, is is a guy, though, that, that can play anywhere. Like, I, I thought in terms of his level of effectiveness, he was effective on the left, he was effective on the right, uh, when they used him in those different roles. And one thing that I think, you know, we may see more of with the Canucks, and it's something we see more in the NHL, at least in my mind, is guys playing 
their offside so that they can create offense by cutting in and, and you know, having that, that shooting opportunity with their stick on the inside rather than on the outside. And so for Garland as a right-hand shot to move over to the left side, it opens up a lot of things in his game, I think, that, that could help him create offense. Uh, so, you know, it may also speak to who they want to play on the right side and, um, you know, whether they think that, that it makes more sense to move Garland to the left, to open up an opportunity for someone else on the other side. Uh, but the one thing I think is clear is more so than in recent years, they have guys that can play both sides. You know, I think Pod Colson's capable of playing both sides. Garland's capable of playing both sides. Hoaglander has played both sides in his career. And that's good flexibility for a coaching staff to have, again, to find ways to get their best players on the ice as much as possible, even if it's not, you know, a left shot on the left wing or a right shot on the right wing. If they can find a way to impact the game from different positions, then you want them, you know, playing in a specific role. And we may get a very clear indication of why Garland is on the left tomorrow based on who his two other line mates might be as well. Batch, pleasure as always. Thanks for this. Sounds good, boys. Thank you. There is uh, Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play man for the Vancouver Canucks on radio and uh, getting ready to go up to Whistler tomorrow for training camp as uh, the Canucks get things going early tomorrow morning through the weekend and some pre-games. Well, the pregame schedule begins Sunday with a split squad matchup against the Calgary Flames. Yeah, and uh, one thing he said resonated with me and I'm sure with you as well, sixth training camp. Sixth training camp? Yeah. This is the sixth year we're covering the Canucks and Sports in the City yeah. for Sports in the 650. It's a five-year anniversary, but like going on sixth year six. training camp? Yeah. Going on year six? Going on year six. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Time flies. It really does. I've been living in Vancouver for a long time now. Am I a true Vancouverite yet? I feel like I am. Yeah, you're, you're, you're getting close. Wow, that was not confident <laughs> at all. You're there. You're there. <laughs> that was like the least confident Sat's ever been in his life. I'm like, ah, I'm like, ah, you don't even know what the Coquitlam Crunch is. I mean, I've never done the Coquitlam Crunch. Just, no? Just FYI. I know about it, but I've never done it. Yeah. yeah. All, all the pictures I've seen of it just kind of make it look like stairs. Like, yeah. It, it doesn't look that it's just doing stairs. Uh, as fun as the grouse grind. Yeah, and even the grouse grind. Like, I like doing the grouse, but to Dan's point, it's it's going to North Shore, coming back, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Like, I've found this summer, I've just been training in the gym mostly, just do the Stairmaster for, like, 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, same thing, just do it here. Man, the, the <laughs> idea of getting stuck in uh, in Lions Great Bridge traffic is uh, nightmarish. Yeah, and even even how busy it gets at the grind. Like, if you go early in the morning, you yeah. go to the early crowd, but in between is not bad, but then it's, like, it gets really busy and stuff like that. So, it's uh, you got to pick your spots. Grouse grind, overrated or underrated? It's not overrated as far as exercise goes. Yeah. In terms of getting there and back and doing it and how much time it may take and how much it takes out of your day, well, the commitment (laughs) might be overrated. (laughs) The commitment might be uh, overrated. Uh, We'll get to overrated, underrated, a bunch of topics. You've got them all in there for us. Appreciate it as always. That's coming up next on Canuck Central.